stuff on Pentecost. Let's do Pentecost a week early. <laughs> so, uh, and this is material that we went through. I'm going to be in Acts. Uh, this is material we went through uh, when we did our study in, in Acts a couple years ago, but it was spread over the course of several weeks. So I thought, well, I'll just bring it all together into one, uh, one lump uh, so we can look at it more directly. So, uh, the day of Pentecost was uh, the fulfillment of the Feast of First Fruits, uh, which um, is very confusing. It's a very confusing feast uh, because it starts seven weeks after the feast before it, which is called the Feast of First Fruits. <laughs> so, there's two, and there's a reason for that. Uh, the first one was the day that Christ rose from the dead. The feast was always on the day following the Sabbath, following the Passover. So Sunday. And, uh, and that's Resurrection Day, the day we, we call Easter. Uh, so he's the first fruits from the dead. But the uh, seven weeks plus one day later, is also the Feast of First Fruits, and that was fulfilled by the church. Uh, it's called the birthday of the church, and it's that day, that first day of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the first fruits in, uh, as uh, witnessed in the church. And, of course, that has continued over you know, 2,000 years so far, you know, bearing more and more and more fruit. Um, because this this feast is seven weeks uh, after the first feast of first fruits, it is also known as the feast of weeks, and it has taken its name Pentecost because it is forty nine days plus one, and this this is why it always falls on a Sunday, um, because Easter is always on a Sunday, um, and Pentecost means fifty. So the fiftieth day. So it's got three names. Uh, we we call it Pentecost. But the that first day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts two, that was a one time fulfillment of the calendar feasts. You know that was on that day. Uh, there are similar events that followed in the record of Acts. Um, uh, but they were on, I mean, the, the day that they happened on were not noted, you know. So the feast has been fulfilled in that one-time event. And then what happened after that was like a multitude of events. Okay, so what we're going to do is just look at these different events and see what's similar and what's different about them. 
So, if uh, someone could read Acts 2, uh, verses 1 through 13, we'll get started on it. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who were speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in his own native language? Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But, they, but others, mock, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. Okay, so as we go through each one of these events, I'm going to have a key question, and that is, where were they and who was there? So where were they? Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem, and who was there? Yeah, but specifically, what kind of people? The apostles, followers of Jesus. Uh, well, and the Jews. Right. Yeah, the the, the apostles were there. Uh, some of Christ's disciples and Jews. Uh, so um, this is the moment where. The apostles receive the Holy Holy Spirit, and that is kind of something uh, that uh, we need to keep in the back of our mind. Uh, they were there; they were all there, uh, but they were recipients. They were not taking any kind of proactive uh, activity, proactive activity uh, toward what was happening. They were simply recipients. Okay, so now. Uh, somebody could read 14 through 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so Peter takes charge. Uh, all the apostles are there, but Peter steps up and explains out of prophecy what's happening. He uses prophecy to give the authority uh, or kind of exert authority over what's happening and explain what's happening. Uh, so what we've got here is a testimony through both the law and the prophets. It is the day of Pentecost. It's the fulfillment of the Feast of Weeks, 
the Feast of First Fruits. So that's the law. And then Peter brings in the prophets uh, as, he, as he uses this uh, passage from Joel. And this is what gives it authority. This is what identifies it as being of God. And this is suitable for a Jewish audience. Uh, and then there's this massive conversion. Uh, uh, does it say? It says how many people were saved that day. Mm. And I want to say it was 3,000. In verse 41, those uh, who received his word were baptized and added about 3,000. 3,000 souls, yeah. So this is, a, I, I tried to figure it out once, and I don't know if this is right, but I think that's an increase of 2,400%. <laughs> in one day, you know, I mean, what if that were to happen at Christ Community Church, you know, multiply 25 by 2,400%, you know, that would be a lot of people. So this is just a, a massive, massive thing. Um, but again, you know, what apostolic activity was there? Uh, well, in verse 38, Peter says, um, after 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 the Jews are cut to the heart, and they say, "What can we do?" Peter says, "Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." So this is really all that the apostles do. You know, Peter simply tells them. Um, and there's one thing you know to take note here that there is no laying on of of hands in any of this. There's a laying on of fire. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, so uh, that's the first, that is the day of Pentecost. So any any thoughts about that before we move on? I, I like the idea that he is including women. Uh-huh. Women are going to prophesy. Yeah. Prophesying is preaching. Well, young women are going to preach. <laughs> well, you know, I, mean, I mean that's I a different debate. I'm a little bit differently <laughs> than that, personally, but but you know, so in, anyway, it does. Well, open uh, up a door. For for one thing, prophecy doesn't always mean foretelling. It usually means foretelling. You know, and you can see in the written prophets how often they're just reading the riot act, uh, usually to the rulers or to the priests. You know, so. But anyway, that's that's a different debate. Yeah, I know. I'm not in that debate. It doesn't matter. But uh, you know, just it, it is it is interesting for us to see. I don't know whether there's any other time where it just really sets that something special. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, but, you know, Paul says, you know, in Christ there is no male nor female. And, and then he goes on and on with his list. Uh, any, any other thoughts? All right. Well, let's uh, flip over then to Acts 8. And if I could get somebody to read uh, verses 1 through 8 and 14 through 17. Anyone at all? Verse 8. 
Acts 8, 1 through 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hating men and women committed to them in prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with the palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Okay, now 14 through 17. Me? Yes, well, <laughs> go for it. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, whom they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. All right, so thank you. This, uh, this event is led by Philip the deacon. Uh, there was a Philip who was an apostle, but it says early in the chapter that everyone was scattered except the apostles, and the apostles remained in Jerusalem. So this is Philip the deacon, and he is evangelizing Samaria. Uh, so here, God is not using prophecy and the law and the prophets to, you know, get uh, fulfill his purposes. He's using persecution, and the church is growing because of it. So again, where were they, and who was there? Yeah. You mean in Samaria? Yeah, they were in Samaria. Yeah, yeah, the Samaritans. <laughs> yeah, and they were. Uh, it was uh, Philip the deacon yeah. and a bunch of non-Jews. Right. So we see. Jews. Yeah, uh, half-breed Jews, uh, and not not you know faithful to anything really scripturally. Um, so this is a whole new uh, chunk of people. There was um, a woman there, though. I bet there was a uh, probably a woman there um, yeah, from the well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that ever reached like the city of Samaria, yeah. uh, but there were certainly Samaritans who had encountered Christ, uh, and so uh, um, there were two others that joined them there, you know, Peter and John. Yes, it's interesting uh, that they had to have Peter and John if Philip wasn't able to do it. You know, like yeah, on them well, and that's um, that's part of the premise here. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know why? Why is this? So Peter takes charge again, and he sees their faith. And in this case, they've already been baptized, water baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, and in this case, he lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. We don't know how many uh, there are at this point either. No, we don't know how many are there. How many Samaritans? Yeah, how many people yeah. laying hands on? We don't, we don't know how many people are there. 
Uh, it sounds like it's a pretty big crowd. Yeah. It's, it's you know something to take notice of, and there are no great signs recorded. Now, you know we and that may be they were just not recorded, they or they may not have been happening. They must have received some kind of sign because Simon says, "Hey, I want to be able to do that too." So yeah, see some, something. Some result of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? Right. Who knows? Uh, it's kind of implied there, but it's just not recorded. Right. So, I mean, it at least was not important right. to Luke at this point. Right. Sorry, I just walked in. What passage are you in? We're in uh, chapter 8 right now. Of Acts. 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 Now, um, this event typically does get lost in the story of Simon the Magician, which is why we didn't read any of that part. Uh, we want to just focus on, you know, what? what the Holy Spirit was doing. So here we have a Pentecost for Samaritans. Um, the next step. Really. It's the next step. Uh, and they, they get their own thing. But again, an apostle needs to be there. And this is why Peter and John are there. It was not good enough for, for Philip to be there. No, he was a deacon. Yeah, that's why I emphasize that he was the deacon. Uh, so, uh, what we're seeing here is that as the church grows into new ethnic groups, it's God is using the apostles to put a stamp of approval on it. Uh, and it's been Peter so far. It took twice now. It's been Peter. So, any, that's that's uh, we're about to leave this section. So, any any other thoughts about about it? Man, you know what's interesting though? If you think about Peter, you know, I mean, we we have we know his experience of, of forsaking Christ. Mm-hmm. That you know he has forgiven much, you know, gives much. Yeah. So you know, I, I can see him stepping out because I mean, again, I, I can't imagine what it's like for him to have gone through that. Yeah. Well, we definitely see a, a completely different Peter in Acts than we see in the Gospels, including Luke. Yeah. Luke writing these things down, he, he has to take like a hairpin turn on Peter yeah. um, because that's what Peter did. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> the transformation that takes place in him. Mm-hmm. And he stumbles. You know, yeah. Kind of yeah, he's still back. human. So, you know. But at the same time, he receives that from Paul as well, too. Right, right. Okay, Uh, our next section is in Acts 10. And this is a real hop, skip, and jump reading. So it's not for the uh, timid. (laughs) So somebody could uh, first start with verses 1 through 5, and then I'll tell you what's next. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. 
Okay, the next one is 9 through 13. The next day as they were, oh, chapter 9? No, no, verses 9 through 13. Oh, 9 through 13, okay. All of chapters 9. <laughs> Whoa. I told you it's not for the time. <laughs> okay. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being led down, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter okay. said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common. Okay, we can cut off there. Okay. Uh, and now, uh, 19 through 22. Sure. Uh, and while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking at you. Rise and go down, or looking for you, excuse me. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, satyrian, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Okay, and then the last one is 44 through 48. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from all the from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Okay, thanks. Um, in this in this event, God intervenes directly, and He uses an angel. Another another way of, of uh, translating the word for angel is messenger. Uh, to instruct Cornelius, and He intervenes directly with Peter through a vision. So, first time God uses the law and the prophets. The second time He uses persecution. This time, he intervenes directly uh, through visions and, and visitations, and he basically introduces the two. Um, uh, uh, Cornelius's uh, servants <coughs> just flat out say he was divinely instructed by an angel to summon you, uh, and uh, you know Peter knows that he is uh, he has been directed by the Spirit to go and you know not consider Cornelius beneath him. Uh, uh, so, again, where were they and who was there? They were in Joppa. Uh, they were in uh, Caesarea. Oh, Caesarea. Pe- Peter started in Joppa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're in Caesarea, which is a Gentile city named after Caesar. Uh, and who was there? Cornelius and his gang. Yeah, and who and else? And Peter who else? and other other brothers. Other yeah, believers. and Peter. So we yeah, well, here we go with Peter again. Peter is there, and he's alone as far as apostles go, uh, and he's in a household of Gentiles. 
Was it did Simon and Tanner go with him? We don't know. Oh, we don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't say. Yeah, it doesn't say. Um, so again, uh, he, he, you know, this this uh, meeting up uh, goes along as it is supposed to, and Peter sees that these uh, people have believed um, and have received the Holy Spirit, and uh, the only directive that follows that is for them to be um, baptized in the name of Jesus. So here we go with water baptism again. but one of the things that is different about this time than with the Samaritans is that that's flipped over. But it is uh, no the same. There's no laying on hands either that we've spoken of. There's no way what? Laying on of hands. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. The, the laying on of hands does not exist in this one. And this, this makes this event closer to the original Pentecost because of the order of water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism and the, the fact of no laying on of hands. Um, I believe that there are signs in... in uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're actually recorded here. So this is, this is very close to the Pentecost that Peter uh, uh, experienced himself. <clears throat> so we see now then that each time a new group of people are regenerated, an apostle... Uh, needed to be present to verify it legitimately of God. Um, you know, and Peter and his group are just astounded that all this is happening to Gentiles too. And Peter just submits to it. You know, he, he doesn't offer any argument against it at all. You know, who can withhold hold water baptism from them? I just wonder, you wonder how far he got into his speech. It just broke out in the chaos. Uh, so it's it, the, the apostle, again, there was an apostle there to verify it as uh, legitimately of God. And since, since it has been Peter all this time, you know, we can make uh, an argument that in this way he really is the rock that Jesus is building the church on. Uh, that doesn't mean he's the cornerstone. <laughs> he is definitely not the cornerstone. But but God is using him in particular to bring the church uh, according to the pattern of the Great Commission, which is in chapter 1, verse 8. Um, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So as this pattern has been fulfilled, um, not just the ethnic groups that are going out, but the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter is there to, to put the apostolic stamp of approval on it. You know, it's always been for me, you know, Peter denies Christ three times. <clears throat> Here God uses him three times. Yeah. There's that number again. You know, to just... To start the whole ball rolling, man. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, God could have done this simply on His own. You know, He didn't need Peter, but for some reason, it pleases Him to work through us. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine how that makes Him? You know, I mean, the, what a gift that He gives to Him—incredible gift. Yeah. 
this is the one who denied him. Yeah. In front of you know, was weak before a little servant girl. You know. Yeah. And next thing you know, he is unafraid to go into a Gentile's house. Yeah. And a Roman. You know, Roman. So, well, uh, here I wanted to um, uh, note that in the Eastern Church, they have a thing, and they call it, they consider it a sacrament, and they call it chrismation. And there is sort of an equivalent in the Western Church of confirmation. You're baptized as, as an infant, and then uh, usually when you're seven, you go through confirmation. And that seals you in the church, and then you can start taking Eucharist. So it's interesting to me that baptized as an infant, but no, you can't take Eucharist yet. Um, but in the East, yeah, it's a big deal. We tried to get my youngest daughter in St. Mary's school uh, in second grade, but she couldn't because it was just jam-packed with Catholic kids <laughs> because that's their first communion. You know, they want them in St. Mary's school. All right, so um, chrismation. And according to the Eastern Church, the apostles sanctified and introduced holy oil for all priests to use as a replacement for laying on of hands by the apostles. Uh, now, this is a tradition. I, I don't know where that originates in the ancient writings, uh, but it's not seen in Scripture at all. It, it did become part of some of the baptismal traditions in the early, early church. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure it goes back a long way. Yeah, even, even during the, honestly, during the late apostolic period and the, into the apostolic fathers after that, it was just, it depended on the region, but some mm -hmm. used oil with baptism, some just used oil where water was less yeah. readily available. Well, you, you also have the Old Testament where there's lots of anointing. Yeah, a lot of anointing by oil. Uh, and it's, I mean, anointing with oil is, is you know, seen in, in New Testament scriptures too, you know, uh, particularly for praying and he, for healing. Um, uh, but for some reason, it, it just doesn't exist in the Western church. Even Catholics? Uh, uh, not Western Catholics. Uh, Eastern Catholics do. Uh, Wikipedia said Eastern Orthodox, Asian Orthodox, and uh, Eastern Catholics. Mm -hmm do this uh, and to me what it, it does it is emphasizing the laying on of hands and the apostolic succession uh, but as we've seen already laying on of hands was not part of it in all three uh, events it was only in uh, Samaria and they had already been baptized with water so I suspect Peter just did that you know as a because he couldn't baptize them, <laughs> you know, so he just, you know, had his hands on them, you know, as a as a human connection. You know, I, I think I think that also, you know, reminds us that, you know, that this just because a church doesn't do certain things exactly according to a ancient traditional formula doesn't mean they're not in it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I mean, it, there's you see variation. Yeah. Even early on, and, and uh, I don't, I don't think we're bound by tradition, you know. Yeah. Even though it, it can be a great thing, but you know, it's it's not all denominations.
do things exactly the same way, and that's yeah. okay. You know, it's just basically trying to tell us that hey, you, you got to be careful. Yeah, if you, if you get hung up on a formula, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. You're going to start worshiping the formula. Yeah, so. yeah, and I, I just think that this is, and usually they do it at baptism. So if you're if you're infant baptized in the Eastern Church, then you yeah. receive your chrismation too, and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. You know, I mean, uh, Nick and I have talked about the he's mentioned this before. You know, the the, the early Christian Didache document. You know, it's it's got very specific baptism stuff in it, but it's we don't we don't read the scripture. Yeah. You know, so it's it's like. It's good. I think it's a good idea to try to follow those things, just because you're you're in keeping with the church historically. But it's not it's not something that Dom Hill on, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, just because you've been baptized as a child doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you've had First Holy Communion and you've been you've had uh, you know you've been uh, made a soldier of Christ, it doesn't mean that you were a soldier of Christ because you've gone through a ritual. So yeah, Catholics my, believe my, they think okay, you've done the ritual, you're in. Right. So, so you know, they're all heathens. You know? Yeah, I would, I would just say that I, I, it seems to me like it's an overemphasis on laying on of hands and the apostolic succession. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I just don't buy into it. <laughs> uh, but by the time we end, I hope that we can center in on what is important in all of these events. Um, now, so far, we've seen God use a number of ways to bring about these events. Um, and the only command that's ever been part of it was to be baptized, to be water baptized. And uh, again, that had already happened with the Samaritans. So, um, God is not putting himself in a box here. He's showing a variety of ways that he is willing to work with people. Uh, so, you know, why... Should we put them in a box? So if all these things are different, then what's the key element? Okay, there's a fourth event, and that's in Acts 19. Uh, and I hope I hope this will kind of put a bow on it. Uh, so if somebody could read 19 verses 1 through 6. Well, <clears throat> and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Well, into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men involved. Yeah, so this event is just kind of an accidental meeting within Paul's just kind of typical activity during the second missionary trip. Uh, now, the point of that trip uh, initially was to just go check in on the churches that he and Barnabas had planted. But he spent a year and a half in Corinth, and now he's kind of bounced over to Ephesus. And this is the first time he's ever been in Ephesus. Um, 
Uh, so, and, and, and there was only 12 people there. You know, it's, he's like stumbled onto a private party of some, of some sort. Well, yeah. And uh, so, again, where were they and who was there? They're in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And who was there? Twelve men. And I'm guessing Luke and Luke and Paul, at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess all of Paul's um, retinue were probably there, and including Luke and Paul. Uh, and Priscilla also, right? What? Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, they were in Corinth. They were, oh, they were at, the, in at this point, they he met them in Ephesus, and then they oh, okay. went to Corinth. Um, and they are presumably still there. Uh, well, we know they are still there, uh, and uh, because I'm going to say that you know, obviously Paul was there in his group, but it is it is actually generally accepted that these people were disciples of Apollos. They were called disciples, uh, but but of Apollos, and um, this is why. They had never heard of the Holy Spirit. They had not been baptized. It sounds like they had never heard of Jesus of Nazareth um, and, and had only the baptism of John. And we know from the end of chapter 18, this is exactly what Apollos was saying. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, and when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, I have a really bad map here because my toner is awful. But uh, what we've got here is the southern part of Greece. Greece is a, a very coastal country. And we've got uh, this little inlet here. And I don't know what it's called, but it basically it nearly cuts Greece in half. Like the Aegean Sea. Or, or in parts. Uh, well, the Aegean Sea is over here. And Ephesus is over here. The Aegean Sea separates Greece from modern Turkey. So Ephesus is over here. So Apollos either crossed the sea and probably landed in Corinth. This This is... It's listed as the region of Corinthia, which is where they get Corinthian leather. Actually, that's a lie. They, Corinthian leather doesn't really exist. This, that's, you're not going to understand that, Caitlin. <laughs> it's an old commercial. It's an old car commercial. Um, but this is Achaia over here. This is the region that's known as Achaia. And this apparently is where Apollos was trying to get to. So he either went overland around the Aegean Sea or he crossed by boat and landed in Corinth, uh, which, uh, according to one source, was the regional capital of, of Achaia. I, the, these two regions were considered one, apparently. Uh, but so that's where he's at. 
And for some reason, it seems like he was very zealous to get back home uh, to, you know, his, his peoples um, uh, to spread the good, good news. So it, it seems to me fairly apparent that he never got back to his disciples in Ephesus after being instructed by Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, and so they remained ignorant um, until uh, Paul stumbled upon them. Uh, uh, so this is the second, again, this is the second missionary trip. And my question is, uh, was, would Paul have been considered an apostle yet at this point? Now, I'm not calling him, I'm not, not questioning his apostleship because he definitely was. But at this point, uh, he's still uh, he just you know, a meek and timid missionary. He, the only things that he's written probably were the two letters to Thessalonica, uh, and while Paul, in most of his letters, uh, in his opening, he'll say Paul, an apostle of Christ, or called by Christ to be an apostle, something like that. In the two letters to Thessalonica, he simply says Paul, Savanus, and Timothy, you know, to the church in Thessalonica. So, it's I've, my whole point here is that. We are no longer in that point where an apostle needs to be there uh, to put a stamp of approval on somebody's salvation and to bring them uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so does that seem reasonable to anybody? I mean, you don't have to completely buy into what I'm saying, but you know, is it a reasonable premise? We would be hard-pressed to see the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out of people after the first century was over. <laughs> so, yeah. There's no more apostles, right? I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of our problem and, and the apostolic succession is supposed to take care of that problem, but, you know, that's another thing that is very questionable in my mind. Uh, another another thing that, that Paul, we can... We know that Paul was an apostle whether he was recognized or not because he ultimately comes yeah, yeah, well, and he, he claims apostleship in most of his letters, but just not up to that point yet. One point says I'm the least of the apostles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do we, do we define that as just somebody who was with Christ as he was? Well, I'm about to uh, read something, and this, okay. is, this goes back to chapter 10, uh, uh, where Peter is talking to the household of Cornelius, and he says, And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Oh, sorry, wrong, wrong verse. Um, it's actually 40 and 41. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So... Uh, you know, that's, that's um, kind of a definition, but it's not hard and fast because Paul did not eat and drink with Christ, as far as we know, uh, but he did see him. You know, he, he was a witness to the resurrection uh, on, on the road to Damascus, so, and perhaps afterwards. So, you know, Paul, Paul we consider Paul an apostle, and, you you know, and we're right. First Corinthians 15. Yeah, that's what, that's what he talks about, being appeared 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm just I'm just suggesting that uh, the uh, the presence of an apostle is not the key element here, uh, because that's already been established under Peter. Um, uh, so, but water baptism is, baptism is a key aspect. Um, and the distinction Paul makes is the same that Jesus did in uh, chapter five, 1, verse 5, when he said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there's, there's a, a definite break between the baptism of John, which these folks had, had received, and the baptism of Baptism of the Holy Spirit, which they had. So then, this is a, there's a, a real mix of how these events come about, what is done, what isn't done. Uh, so what then seems to be um, the most essential thing, you know, if it's not the presence of an apostle every time, if it's not uh, if you've been bab- water baptized or not. Um, uh, if it's not the laying on of hands, if it's not signs and wonders, then then what is the key element? Well, I would argue that there is signs on every one of those because of, because of Simon's reaction. If he, if he saw nothing happening, he would... Well, yeah, I don't want to argue that. Yeah, no. But, but it was not recorded in Samaria. Right, right. It was not recorded. So... So it's... it's I mean, if it's not recorded... Yeah, it's implied. Then we can't say that's the key element. Well, there has to be something there that he saw. Yeah, but so it, 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 but it if it's not it, recorded, then it was not a key element. It is implied. <laughs> Fine, it's implied, no, no, but no, 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 but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the key myself. element here. Right. So, so if, you have to see is belief, but I know that there's probably something more going on. Well, it's, no, I think that's it. I think I think it is the presence of the full gospel. Uh, that is actually what ties all these things together, um, uh, followed by the instruction to be baptized. If you haven't already, that is something that needs to be done, you know, taking part in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you know, who is our salvation. And the apostles preach, repent, believe, and be baptized. Yeah, and, and it's, it's an instruction, so we've got to do it. And to be baptized in his name, and all, and all that that means, uh, we have, um, in the English-speaking word, we have a custom that is very instructive here, and that is when a woman marries a man, she takes his name, and she can take that name in vain, and you know, completely publicly humiliate him, and betray him, and, and drag it through the dirt, She's got his name, she's got his father's name, dragging it through the dirt, or she can honor it. Uh, and so taking on the name of Christ, being baptized in his name, you know, what do you do after that? Do you drag him through the mud or do you honor him? Uh, so this is all, this is all very significant. Um, and then so what about, what about what has happened uh, since this event in Ephesus? Are there any other Pentecosts? Sure. Everybody has his own Pentecost. <laughs> Everybody has his own Pentecost. And it's not through the laying on of hands. 
Again, I'm sorry, but it's not always with signs and wonders. Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying it always is, but yeah. I'm just saying in Acts there is that implication. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not always before baptism, water baptism. It's not always after water baptism. So, you know, God again, God has not put Himself in a box. But you will receive. That's part of the gospel too. Yeah. Repent, be baptized, and you will receive. Exactly. And so that we did, we did include that when we start talking about the gospel message. Well, uh, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. We leave him out. That's what's frustrating. People yeah, I think, well, one of the problems I think the church has is that we don't consider regeneration. Mm, and, uh, all, we, all we ever think about is reformation and usually self-reformation. Mm-hmm. And I know you all have known people who said, well, I got to clean up my act before I start going to church. You know that's not what God is interested in. So if we and, and the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us, yes, uh, it is His work. So we we we've got to embrace that and, and emphasize it. Sorry, uh, sorry, and I'm really looking in depth at the Apostles' Creed. You know, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So we have none of those things after I believe in the Holy Spirit can happen without the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, so, he is he is the earnest of the church. He is what binds us together. Yes. Um, I think what happens a lot of times we have a we have a Holy Spirit, a, 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 a church that does not have the Holy Spirit who created. Well, uh, or, and then or they find stuff like this stuff that's going on in the uh, horrible stuff that's going on in, in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. You know, so. Well. Uh, Wherever you have the church, like the real church, you have the Holy Spirit. Sure. But we do quench him a lot. <laughs> we grieve. We quench him. Uh, we grieve him and quench him. So, so let's not do that. I think in some way, you know, because we say the worst sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. One, one thing that's a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not, not wanting to pursue him. Yeah, not, not acknowledging him. Receive all that he has for you. you know, to, to set him aside over a corner and say, hey, I got you over there. No, yeah. I'll pick you up when I need you. No, that, that in some ways is denying God. Yeah, so. well, you know, we're denying his power within us. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, it's pretty scary, I mean, really, when you think about it. Well, you know, we're, we're like dumb animals before him. <laughs> The reason we're called sheep. <laughs> he says, you know, don't be like a dumb animal. That has to be led by the bridle everywhere, but that's exactly the way we are. All right, so that's it for today. Thanks for sitting through that. Thank you very much.